Hello and welcome into the Career Competitor Podcast with me, Steve Meller. And as always, we are the show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you through coaching in order to optimize your career. I am delighted that you've chosen to join me for what is a somewhat unique version of the show. We welcome in Sarah Miller to the Career Competitor Podcast, who is also the host of the Media Mavens Podcast. And we are doing what I can only referred to as a podcast mashup. So we are both the guests, we are both the host. It's a slightly longer extended version of career competitive than normal. But I truly encourage you to sit with us throughout because it is a fantastic episode filled with awesome content on what it means to lead to apply intentions to the work that you do and so much more. But before we get into mine and Sarah's discussion, let me tell you all about career competitive. First and foremost, if you're listening to us on Apple, please click that fifth star before we go any further. I'll give you a couple seconds here to go ahead, do it, do it now. Click that fifth star. Thank you so much so that we can continue to grow the show. Feel free to leave a review. And in addition to that, I encourage you to head to careercompetitor.com where you can learn all about my coaching and consulting services. My goal when it comes down to it It's all about optimizing performance, whether that be on an individual basis, if you're a business professional or a leader that's looking to heighten your ability to impact others or just simply perform at higher levels, please feel free to reach out steve at careercompetitor.com where you can set up a 30-minute free consultation. Or if you're an organization and you're looking to really heighten your culture, then again, I am your guy and you can set up a 60-minute free consultation with me to talk about your organization and how we can really get our hands dirty and start to discuss what it means to have purpose, to create a communal environment, and to simply perform at higher standards. Again, it always comes back to that. I believe in your potential. I believe in your optimal self. And my service is geared toward bringing that out of you. So feel free to check out the website, careercompetitor.com. Feel free to just connect with me directly at steve at careercompetitor. And again, one last reminder, if you haven't clicked that fifth star on iTunes, please do it now. Subscribe to the show. All of these good things. Let's keep building the awesome content that is Career Competitor. Now, as I said, Sarah Miller is joining us here on the Career Competitor podcast today. And in relation to Sarah, she is specifically the CEO of Axis Entertainment. And what I really encourage you all to pay attention to here is her experience when it comes to leading. There's so much fantastic content. And I'm not going to do what I normally do and give you all of these things to look out for. And I'm also not going to follow up the episode with any specific takeaways or anything like that because again it's a pretty long episode in itself there's plenty of content in there for you to enjoy so we're just going to get right into the interview i'll say my goodbyes at the end but otherwise let me just stop talking introduce both the career competitor podcast and the media mavens podcast all in one place and i'm really excited for you to give this a listen let me know what you think and i hope you enjoy Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment and your host for Media Mavens Podcast. And I'm here with my guest slash co-host for today, Steve Miller, who's a performance coach and a former Olympic coach for swimmers. Well, now I have to introduce you. Yeah, now it's your turn. So now it's my turn. And this is Steve Mella. I am the host of the Career Competitor Podcast. And I'm delighted to be here with my co-host, the CEO of Access Entertainment. Sarah Miller. 
So thank you for joining me. And I'm so glad that you have me. <laughs> I'm so happy you're joining me. I love her doing this podcast for so many reasons. One is Friday morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now. And I think I need coffee, but I love that we're co-hosting and guests on our own podcast at the same time. Like we got to double down on this one. Absolutely. And I can't wait for the many accidental interruptions. And one of us tries to ask a question. <laughs> well, I was going to ask that question, you know, whatever, all the back and forth that will probably come with it. But I think, you uh, know, I think it's good. Though. Okay. So this is so good because you are a coach. You literally are a swim coach, which I love. And the fact that our conversation into this podcast was all about coaching right now. Let's talk about like, so let's one, let's talk about you are a coach, which is tremendous, especially because as a former swimmer, I love it, but you have coach Olympic athletes. Hmm. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. And the, the funny thing is I've been out of the swim coaching world now for six months, but uh, through pretty much my entire last decade, that's what I was doing. I was, I was coaching, some of the best athletes in collegiate swimming, actually. I was working at Louisiana State University, uh, associate head coach. Uh, you know, when I, when I started there, we were fairly competitive. When I left there, we were more competitive. Sometimes you could argue that that's about as good a job as you can do, right? So, so with that being said, you know, I had a few individuals along the way that my thing was recruiting kids that weren't recruited. So I, I would always go and find the kid with the chip on the shoulder, someone who I saw the talent, but they weren't getting necessarily the attention that other apparently more successful, more established athletes were getting. So I would, I would kind of coach and thrive to that chip on their shoulder. I would identify that and I'd say, hey, I see your talent. I recognize your ability. And I'm here to tell you that you can be better than all those people that have been given more time and more opportunities than you up to this point. So we would really hit it off in that, in that uh, sort of coach-athlete relationship. And before I knew it, I, I came along a few athletes that really were world beaters in many ways. And one of which a, a guy called Brooks Curry, who kind of, you know, we had a, a, a sort of uh, inner dialogue that we would share with one another that was called shock the world. And we said, we're, we're going to shock the world. We're going to take a year or two here and we're going to put you in position to make the U S Olympic team. And this was last summer and the kid went and did it. And then he went one better at the Olympic games as a part of the relay and got himself an Olympic gold medal. So for me, that was kind of the icing on the cake of my sort of swim coaching journey. Like how, how was I able to sort of get to that point of my coaching journey? And that was it right there. That's so funny. Cause like we always say, always people always vote for the underdog. So it's yeah. kind of like voting for the underdog. And I always feel like, is it really, are they really underdogs? Are they just such amazing raw talent, but they lack the right coach and the right support and leadership training to lead on the field, mm. on the court. And it's so interesting because like, you know, I always joke around, okay, I'm always taking the underdog and we're betting during football or basketball season. But <laughs> I, I just, I feel like, I think it's just the coaching is the leadership. And I think that's how you learn. And it's funny because we just talked about the Spartan race. And I think <laughs> I just recruited you, which is yeah. so awesome because like, David Nurse, NBA coach from the Jets, strength training coach, amazing coach for athletes. Mm-hmm. And we always talk every day about like being present how to lead, how to support, whether it's an athlete, whether it's an executive. And I think a lot of the greatest people, athletes that we've ever seen were never top of their game coming out the gates. They had the most tremendous coaches that Mm -hmm. got them to where they are right now and who they wanted to be. So I think there's a lot of a credibility going into coaches more than people think. The one thing I told myself really early on, and a few people were there to give me the same advice too, is, 
if you're getting into coaching and you're going to try to hang around for the thank yous and the good jobs, then you're going to be potentially hanging around for a while. Because the one thing is, it's a profession that where you serve. It's a serving profession. You are, you are saying, hey, I am serving the well-being, yeah. the benefit, the performance of somebody else. And if I get credit along the way, that's great. That's fantastic. Uh, but at the same time, so much of the credit that you get is through the actions that other people take. And what I mean by that is that an athlete or the parent of an athlete or a group of athletes, a team, for instance, they may not come and thank you after they achieve something. But the fact that they return the next day to get back to work in many ways is their way of acknowledging that they appreciate the work that you are putting them through. They appreciate the relationship that you've built with them enough to come back for more. And that in itself, for me as a coach, that's what I've been telling myself, especially in the last six months as I build my business as a performance coach is, hey, my clients, they don't, they're not just signing up to work with me. They're re-signing and then they're re-signing. They, may not, they don't have to say thank you. They keep coming back for more. That's enough for me. That's enough to tell me that, hey, we're doing something. There's a, a connection there that's obviously delivering results. And that's what it's about. Yeah, I always used to believe that, like, you know, whether good, bad, or indifferent, everybody has to succeed and fail publicly. It's not about, for me, what makes a good leader isn't making the easy decisions because everybody can make easy decisions. I mean, everybody does it day in and day out. I think it's making the hard decisions, how you pick yourself back up. You know, you want to make a hard decision without leaving collateral damage, getting through the worst of the times when you fail, doing a lot is how you handle yourself, getting back up, showing up, doing mm. it again, keep going. I think that's the sign of a true leader, not so much as, okay, well, I'll figure it out later and tapping out. You have yeah, to- and, and that's what, but that's what I love about, what you do, Sarah, is that you're about perception. So much of what you talk about in your, in your nine to five, your day job is about how do I put out to the world what I, I need for them to perceive. And as leaders, a lot of the time, we have to put to one side our personal feelings, emotions, connections to whatever the, what is happening and put out to our teams, put out to those that we are leading what they need at that time what they need to hear, what they need to see, whatever it may be. Well, I think it's, I think it's, it's, I mean, yeah, and it's different like being a coach, but like, like we're talking earlier, I'm all about though tapping out of obstacles since I just did the Spartan, (laughs) (laughs) but like, it was like, do I tap out or do I just try to achieve it and then pick myself back up and keep going? But like, it's, you know, there's always, we're here to serve. It's like what you said earlier, which I love, Steve, is that we're here to serve. As a CEO of a PR firm, sometimes I have to be their cheerleader. Right. Sometimes I have to be their coach. I have to pivot. I mean, is what we do. We create leaders. We define the markets and shift perceptions to get these guys where they need to be. My personal feelings aside, doesn't matter. We don't look for validation. Like you, we're on retainers. We get paid. The thank yous are great. But I think <laughs> the serving, the end result is seeing our clients successful, seeing them like shredded out there on stage, on TEDx, you know, their deal makings, seeing them lead, seeing them right. fail and knowing they're going to pick themselves back up with the tools and skills we give them with our agency behind them to get them to that next hurdle and over it the best way possible. So I think all leaders, if you really are a true leader, you're going to shine. You're going, it's going to be evident in the people you're coaching, the people you're leading. Cause I always believe in order to be a really good leader, you got to be a good team player. Yeah. 
That's I'm always like some clients. I'm like, I just, you don't need a cheerleader. You need a coach. So I'm going to be a little bit harsh on it. Or those times I'll say, look, you just need the support. You could get over this hurdle. Here's how we're going to do it together. Hmm. So, I mean, I always believe, so I always have this theory right now. I don't know if it was since my Spartan race or other stuff, but I always have this thing. We always have every day we wake up and we make the same decision. We always have three options every day we have to answer. One, first one, first step we have to look at, do we give up? Do we give in or do we give it all we got? Those decisions we have to make every day we get out of bed on anything Mm. we have, no matter how big, how small, give up, give in, or just give it all you got. And you can't give it all you got if you're mentally burnt out, physically, emotionally burnt out, you know, if, and we're all guilty of letting our schedules dictate our time and Mm. our leadership. We can't do that because then we get the clarity isn't there. We can't see between the fray. We're so burnt out. We have to control our schedule as leaders, not let our schedule dictate how we lead, which comes into give up, give in, or give it all you got. But when you give it all you got, you got to be there mentally, physically, emotionally. You cannot sit there and run. And when you're burnt out, because then you're just giving in to peas and make things happy. That's not leadership. You have to make sure you have that balance. And we struggle with that balance. I struggle with that balance constantly all the time because I take on too much. I could do this. I will never give up. I'll never, you know, give in. I just got to give it all I got and still have it under control. And I think when it comes to a lot of people that are driving, whether it's football teams, you know, NBA, NFL, sports, tech, entertainment, you still all have to keep driving forward. And, I and, think- that, and that's the competitive element. I mean, and that's, again, I'm, I'm glad that you're on my show right now. <laughs> oh, wait, me- I thought you're on my show right now. Because <laughs> that's because you're talking, you're just screaming competitor at me right now. And, and, and for me, but that's not, but it, that's not, I mean, I don't know if that is competitor or if that's just in it's my competitive, opinion, it's competitive I need in- to be as a CEO who I am as a CEO. Right. But what the, the, the point I was going to make is that for for you, you have become such a competitor. You've become so used to competing; it's almost part of your norm. That it's just part of how you do you. You're not having to. You're not having to, you know, flick a switch and say, "Okay, I'm in, I'm getting into competitive mode now." There's a standard that you do things to. There's a standard that you show up. There's a standard where you give all you got, and because that is who you are, that's your DNA at this point. That, that makes you a competitor in a way that it's almost automatic, whether it's you're representing someone as a competitor of them or you're being a competitor within in terms of yourself, that person looking back at you in the mirror when you wake up in the morning. Because a lot of the time, those conversations, this what you're talking about here, you get up in the morning, you that first conversation is usually your mouth's not even moving. You're looking at yourself in the mirror and the conversation is taking place inside of your head and you're just looking at you and you're talking and there's this thought process going through like what's today gonna be what am i gonna make of this day what have i got coming up how hard is it gonna be oh my god i i do that before i go to bed every night not just in the morning there you go and i sometimes like holy shit i forgot something i'll go back turn my phone on look at it again look at my schedule like 1 2 a.m they're like okay i know what i need to do and i got this i mean i'm not that person like a lot of people who sleeps with their phone on 24 7 when i go to bed my phone is off i mean i'm guilty if i can't sleep i'm like somebody's in my head turning my phone back on quickly to send an email at 2 a.m which is stupid i know but it i don't i feel like is it really competitive i don't know maybe you're right but i feel like we all 
have challenges. We all have shit in life. We all have our obstacles and hurdles. And I feel like with some of the ones that I've been through, everybody kind of makes these comments where, oh my God, you got through this. We can't believe this, da, da, da. But then I'm like, what choice did I have? Did I have a choice to give up, curl up in a ball, just give in? Like, I feel like sometimes the only option is give it all you got, fight through. Because I don't, in my head, like see any other option. It's, it's not even an option. I can't even think beyond fight and get through, keep fighting like that click. There's like, mm. no, no, you got this. This is where you need to be. That's the direction. No looking back, no fear. And I don't know if I've, I mean, I think I've always been a little competitive and everything, but I don't think I was as competitive as a kid as I was as an adult. Mm. I don't know if it was just, you know, life. Why, why do you think that is? You think it's more, is it got anything to do with this? Maybe more at stake now? I think it's more at stake. My reputation, my agency. I mean, we're one of the top PR firms out there. We've sure. done tremendous work publicly. We've learned to land jumbo jets on driveways through some of our big sports and entertainment clients. Right. You know, we around with AG, Kings. We've done stuff with the Giants, Diamondbacks. I mean, we have learned the worst way possible to jump in and land a jumbo jet on a driveway in less than 30 days on monster global events that no other PR firm is able to do. We are, I mean, so, but that again was serve our clients, make sure it's successful. I think, I think, yes, I think there's, that's a really odd multifaceted question. Yes. As an adult, because I am a CEO of my own company and we've done tremendous work and we just push forward and do what we need to, to make it look, the way it needs to perfection on the other side. So I think as a CEO, we all have a, the angel devil side, a double-edged sword, a mm. control freak, get it done the way it needs to be done. Because it's at the end of the day, no matter how many layers of employees you have or team members, it starts and ends at the top leadership from the top down. Mm -hmm. And you've got to lead by example. So I feel like over the years, I've learned to be a better leader, a better person, based on who's in my life. I think it's just a lot of that. And then my own journey of about in the past six, seven years, that's now over of fighting through five brain surgeries, remove a brain tumor that kept putting me down. So mm -hmm. when I got back up on my feet, I didn't see any other way but to fight and right. get through it where a lot of people are like, I get a lot of comments. Oh my God, you're my hero. You, you're inspiring me to do, you know, did it to fight through this, but what other choice do you have? And I don't know if that is where, and I think that is where like that click in my head came. Cause I was talking to somebody about this, like that very distinct click in your head when something happens or you have that aha moment and it's super loud click of, Oh my God, that's it. That's clarity. Go. Don't look back. Don't question it. Don't second guess anything. That is where you're meant to be going. And you can't see any other answer but that answer. So I've had two incidences where that click was so prevalent and loud that changed everything. And one of them was in the very beginning when the first brain surgery, mm -hmm. the second loud click of definition and clarity was this past December when I got my final results back where I'm done with this whole journey where like my body just in a weird way, like the doctors were kind of in shock, the surgeons that all the damage I was permanent. That's been the concern 
is automatically not showing up and they can't figure out why. So you have this click of definition. And I think between the start of my journey and the end of my journey is where there was no other answer to give up or give in. I never saw that. And then when I see these horrific stories of people struggling or suffering, giving up, just giving in, it drives me crazy because I can't understand how that is even an option. And I'm not saying that's right. That's wrong. That's my own internal fight. That Again, anyone listening to this, all they're doing right now is like, girl, you are a competitor. <laughs> that's all. That's all. <laughs> Everyone's hearing this story. And it's yeah, like, but is it, but is what it you're not, doing is confirming that but, Steve but, called you a competitor. It, that's all not, you're doing. Though, because life is not, okay, life is a competition, but living, breathing So, so is that's not. my point. That's my point here is that, so, so much of what you're saying here is like, you don't see yourself as a competitor, but your your mindset, your approach to things is what makes you competitive. It makes you competitive within your field. It makes you competitive in life. It allows you to look at life and say, hey, I'm going to beat you. It doesn't matter how many brain tumors you throw at me, how many brain surgeries you throw at me, I'm going to take you on. I see you, I hear you, and I'm going to take you on. And that for, for me, is like, I, I embrace that, what you're saying here about, okay, I don't feel like the competitor. That's fine. I, I think it's completely understandable that you will feel that way. But your approach is what makes you competitive. And that for me is, again, that's what makes that natural instinct that you have to be to bring your best self to the table each and every day and say, hey, my standards are too high for me to ever drop below whatever's required of me to deliver the result, to do what is necessary and is asked of me in this moment. I think that's where, because everybody I've talked to, anybody, anybody who does like, who knows a Spartan, hmm. all looked at me like, well, what the hell is wrong with you? And why, <laughs> why everybody who doesn't really know a Spartan, who I think was never in sports and athletics. Oh, that's so great. I'm so excited for you. That's amazing. Yeah, no, no athlete, no coach of any NBA, NFL, NHL team, nobody collegiate or not is going to look at me like, oh, God, that's so great. Good for you. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? And so <laughs> and I think the reason why I did the Spartan last weekend, why it was such a big deal to me, probably more than people don't understand why it's a big deal is because I wanted so bad, so bad to do a Spartan something that just pushes yourself just to do it. Cause it was fun and whatever, all the reasons why everybody doesn't want to do it was also why I was like, eh, up and down. But every time I want to do it, I couldn't because of the brain surgeries. Sure. So, you know, first surgery, 18 hour heart stopping. It was a mess. I was a mess. I literally got to the point, And this is was interesting about talk about that internal competitiveness of yourself to push and drive your leadership forward was because I did almost give up. And it wasn't yeah. giving up. It was just the fight was so hard because you don't, you never know. It's not like, hey, I had a knee injury on the court. I'm going for stem cell and I'm back in next season, coach. It's not like, hey, okay, go get cortisone shots, put in your shoulder. I got the next 300 IM at the next meet, coach. It's not like, here's what the rehab, here's what you have to do and you're fine again, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, there is no there there with brain surgery. It's just not like all these other elements where, you know, you have to go through the protocol to strengthen muscles, recovery, it's your brain. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's kind of like, like I'm on a Mac. I don't know if you're on a Mac or a PC, 
Are you on a Mac? I'm on a Mac. I'm on a Mac, yeah. Ah, yeah. brilliant. Most good athletes are on Macs. <laughs> so you know when you turn on a Mac and everything just kind of bounces, all the little windows, all the, the tray at the bottom, all the apps, everything kind of bounces until it settles. That's yeah. what my brain was like. It was fucking such a mess. It's so crazy. But um, it was such a hard surgery and the recovery was harder because I think it was like, it was an 18 hour surgery. My heart stopped three times. I know the exact, I mean, it was horrendous. And I, I went into the surgery, like, yeah, I got this. Like, I literally, I, I was so, I mean, it was funny, not funny, I guess. I think I pissed off my family and a lot of people that didn't take it seriously. I'm like, I have a huge event at Coachella. I don't have time to deal with this. Well, you have brain surgery. Yeah. Okay, great. But meanwhile, I'll deal with all of that and decide if they even made a mistake on the MRI. They even have anything going on up there. I just got to get through an event. And, and I literally just was so in a surreal moment of it's, this isn't happening. I've gone through everything. And so being wheeled into OR in the morning, one of the, the technology that they use is so innovative and cutting edge because we do with a lot in technology clients. I was so there. I was like just a mess on the table. And I was like, no, no, wait, can you turn that screen around? Because you know, the black IP is the world end tour with the green head with all the lines through it. Yeah. The technology that they use, like a GPS mapping for neuro and heart surgeons, a client, a good friend of mine was on the board of that technology. And I was mm-hmm. so like, oh, I need to see if this works because if it doesn't work, he needs to know that this isn't competitive enough technology to be in a surgery. <laughs> then I'm thinking, shit, it's a my surgery, and right. I got to survive this to tell him. Too late. It's too but late to wait, tell him now. Your R and D sucks. But I don't know if it was a competitive thing. I denial was good for me at the time, and yeah. so my struggle of giving up and giving in was six months after I couldn't recuperate. I couldn't get clarity. I couldn't get back up. And the I think the biggest thing you say you don't want to be thanked. Yeah. you know, by your clients. You just know when they keep coming back, yep. that's your validation. We, I got picked up a month after surgery. I couldn't even read an email still. I was such a mess. I could barely walk them in. I was so messy. And we picked up Sony, two Sony departments. And right. I'm like, I have a maximum of three hours a day of clarity. That's the only three hours a day that I'm even awake, not on brain seizure medicines, not a medication that I could actually decide am I a human being or not three hours. And then I slept 20 hour days. Like I was that messy. And these guys at Sony were like, you're three hours a day is everything more than 20 hours of another agency. Cause we know how good you are. I'm like, right. okay, that's validation, but there's full disclosure. So, but no matter what comes at you, no matter all these peripheral things that are such great validation that you may need, you may not need your decision, my threes of give up, give in, give all you got. I opted between the first two and I knew on New Year's Eve, I'd have to call my parents to come pack me up and bring me home because I could not, I was drowning. I couldn't do it on my own. I wasn't functioning and that wasn't like me because I'm not a down depressed person, but I felt like you're digging out of a grave and you're finally seeing the air and then more dirt's being thrown on you digging you down further. So mm. I was literally for the first time in my life given. Yeah. You were right the parents, there. Call the family, come get me. I need to come home. I can't do this. Well, and- here's, if you don't mind me saying like the interesting part of this though, is that we could probably make an entire season of going back and forth, arguing whether or not you're a competitor, <laughs> but, well, it's not uh, just but, no, that- but what I wanted to say is that you, you, we can argue that, but the one thing that is so apparent is that 
at all times you were constantly looking at how you can lead like you were you were conscious of how am i able to be perceived by others as someone who still got despite all of these reasons that i could just lay down right now and give up how do i give off this perception to everyone in my world that none of this shit's going to beat me none of this is going to take me down and that i can still even perform in a way where new things develop i'm i'm still able to go and get something like a sony because I'm continuing to say, okay, if I only have three hours of my optimal self, even if it's not even your optimal self, whatever version of yourself, the perception has to be, I'm still going to deliver a version of myself to the people that see me each and every day, communicate, interact with me every day, that know, hey, everything's good, we're good, and that, in fact, we're going to go on and achieve just as great of things, if not even but better. That's a like perception. That. That's perception's reality. And I think right. a lot of people... This, that's a whole different conversation. The click, the loud click I talked about, mm -hmm. that you have that aha moment, I've got this, don't give up, was on New Year's Eve at when I called my parents. But that, and, and again, like for, for, for me, that's an act, that vulnerability, that's an act of leadership. That's, that's one of the most sought after, very difficult to find leadership qualities out there today is someone who can actually say when things truly do get to the, the point where I'm like, I can't handle this anymore, that you put your hands up and say, hey, I need help. Yeah, but I think sometimes that's where it comes to a really good coach, whether it's a family, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, it doesn't matter who it is. That's where you need to have good coaches because I'm always about the little things, right? Random acts of kindness. It's easier for us to avoid for some of us, I think on leadership roles, to just bury our own things and push out to help other people. But my click, like the small things make the biggest impact. And I always tell people, always leave somebody better when you walked away than when you walked up, whether it's 20 minute lunch, coffee, always leave them better, right? Because mm -hmm. the small things that we do that we take for granted every day, every day we do tons of stuff. We just ignore the small stuff because it's a small, I got bigger stuff. But those small things, returning a phone call, returning an email, a text, hey, I'm swamped, but I want to show you the respect to get back to you. I'm busy. Let's you know sort this out, make a big impact. And my click was looking at my calendar for the following year and realizing for the first time, no MRIs, no surgeries, none of this. I just had the biggest hurdle and fight of my life because I should have died through that surgery. And when I was talking to my mom, it, I had that click. I'm okay. Like I, I did a run and I did run in Canyon on a hike. I looked at my calendar. It was quiet. New Year's Eve because I felt New Year's Eve holidays mean nothing. My New Year's Eve is my surgery date. The day I knew I survived, I woke up. New day. Every day is a new day to your year. It doesn't mean just because it's January 1st, go be an asshole, get drunk. And then I'm going to do my diet, my fitness, be better, be a better leader. Every day is the first day of the rest of your life. So my New Year's Eve shift was the day I woke up was my New Year's day. And I did that click oh my God, I've got this. So don't give up. Don't give him, give it all you got. And I, that click, that loud click in my head. And I talked to my mom was like, no, no, I don't need to come home. I think I've got this. And then I got it until the next surgery. And then I wanted to do a Spartan going back full circle. And now you have another surgery. Okay. And then you have another surgery. And then you have radiation. Now you have three more surgeries to fix it. I mean, it was so much going on that I realized I don't have an option A or an option B. My option C is always the way I have to, to fight and live and lead, which mm -hmm. is give it all you got. 
And so for the first time, my second huge click, you got this no fear, no looking back was this past December when I went back to the neurosurgeon for MRIs every year, optic neuro. And they were just like, kind of like retest, re- I'm not going to retest. This is a whole day at the hospital. It's making me crazy. They're like, because they couldn't figure out if they had a bad read in the MRI wrong because all the permanent damage was gone. And mm. I was in that 6% club where 90, and I think I have this right, 94% of all brain tumors that are not cancer are not operable. I was in the 6% survival, but when it became non-operable, it shifted. So I was told in December, you're good. Go live your life. We, you, wow. your, your damage has this, we can't figure why or how. And that click when I walked out was so loud in my head, no fear, keep going. I now know there is no option one. There is no option two. You give it all you've got. And it doesn't matter. Small things make a difference in other people's lives. Like my big thing is always reach out to somebody, always have a coach, which is why I'm always like when I see my clients struggling or this fatigued out from burnout from meetings and travel and deals and anxiety, you have to know how to lead. You have to know how to build leaders by being their coach, which is what you do tremendously or being their cheerleader, because either way you are there to serve to make sure they are on their feet, they're moving forward and they're being the best version they can be because they have you guiding them down there. So I think all of this is what create, like you said, that competitive nature within my head, but I don't view myself as a competitor. I view my, who I am based on the journey I've had. Yeah. I still think I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, whose podcast is this? Okay. I'm going to give you that one. I'm just kidding. No, but Um, I've had the most tremendous conversations with leaders, coaches, CEOs on our podcast. And it's always such a fresh perspective because every time we talk to somebody and you know, this from all your podcasts, Hmm. you always walk away learning something, no matter how big or small, that just makes you walk away thinking that's a person I want to support. That's a person you as a leader, that's who I want to always keep on my radar. Yeah. And and even just something as simple as those three give up, give in, give it all we got. And the notions of having these clicks that are really defining and can shift our, shift our perspectives in those moments. I mean, that's my greatest takeaway already from what we're talking about. And I think that's for, for me personally, relating to that, like it's, it's the story in many ways, the story of my life, a realization that I had quite recently is that I've had people in my corner a few times along the way, but in terms of actually producing success, I've really never had the the type of support that I probably needed to be successful until I started my business. And the second that I made this, this active intention, I said, hey, universe, this is what I'm doing. This is who I am, and this is what I'm doing. I was overwhelmed with support. Like from, from so many different facets of my life up to this point, up to that point of six months ago, suddenly people were here saying, hey, we see the potential that you have in what you're trying to now do, and we're here to support it. And again, going back to what I was saying before, that was after years and years and years of minimal thank yous and attaboys and good jobs. And suddenly now the universe turned around and gave me just an absolute wave of support and thank you that I could never have anticipated. And it's I'm sure for you having, and this is what I love about our conversation is here I am a new a new business owner with someone who's a massively well-established business owner 
being able to sort of look at you and say, well, have, you having done this for as long as you have, I'm sure you're able to now say, based on how long a relationship I've had, years and years relationships that you probably have with some of your clients, you get that in droves of just support and and you know satisfaction of just knowing I like, think, hey, I'm I think having an impact. because you've spent so much time coaching athletes, where like you said before, and I love what you said, your active intent. And I think it's all about everything we should we do has to have an intent and a purpose. Mm-hmm. We are purposely here to do X, Y, and Z with the intent to have a specific outcome. You have to actively be present to get the, for the intent you want for that action. And I feel like you've spent so much time being a phenomenal coach. I mean, you have Olympic hopefuls, Olympic uh, Olympians. Mm. You had everything it took to be a tremendous coach for yourself, but you were so busy giving it to everybody else. You're now on the other side where you already had the skill set to be a leader to be successful. You just put everything into other people. We always call it the bucket illusion where you have a bucket and it's filled with everything. Your bucket's overflowing. When your Mm -hmm. bucket overflows, you take that overflow to give to other people because you want to share the overflow in the bucket with others. You already have all of it there, but that's how you do it. When your bucket is depleted, you're emotionally, mentally, physically depleted and drained. You're no good to anybody else because you're no good to yourself because your bucket's empty. So we always have to have that active intent to keep our bucket full. So the overflow is what we give to other people for them to lead and move on as well. And you've had that skill set. And that that active intent is tremendous because a lot of people don't see that. You are just so busy overflowing giving all your overflow greatness to other people, you already had the makings of it. But sometimes it's good to stand back. Like you said, you're a coach. You may need your own coach. You may need your own cheerleader, but you already have what it takes is you've created leaders. So there's no reason to not be a leader. You already know what it takes. You are a leader. Sometimes you have to step outwards, breathe, step back and look in and say, wait, it's like, what's that? What's that saying? Cobbler with no shoes. You're so good at creating leaders and other people, but you are the leader that they're mm-hmm. looking to. But sometimes you forget to stand back and say, wait, me first. I have right. to look at my own skill set. And I think I don't care who you are. Everybody needs advice. Everybody needs people around them. It doesn't matter how high or low you are in the rankings of any in life. If you're a leader of a company, a team, CEO, a coach, everybody still needs a coach. Your players, your athletes need coaches. Your coaches need coaches. Your CEOs and owners need coaches. People can't just weed through life on that level without having a backboard, without having that baseline of people they trust and who they want to be around who are leading. So I just think we got to step back and realize just because you're a leader, just because you're a CEO, MVP, doesn't mean you're so great. Is there's that some humility and humbleness that says, hey, I am great. Yes, I am great. I'm amazing. I'm talented. I'm all of this and more. But I also am a better person because I want to be better because I have people around me that make me want to be better because I know they're in my corner. So I think there's so many multifaceted ways of what makes a great leader, not just I'm a leader of all leaders because I make this much money because I coached around this company team, et cetera. We are all where we are because of who we have around us. And there's, you know, we we all see, uh, you know, the Steve Jobs, the Larry Ellison, the Bill Gates. When we see these guys in and out, the the books they've all written, all the stuff, 
every great leader has all admitted, I am the person, I am the man, I am the CEO, the leader I am, not because I know what I'm doing, because I was smart enough to have people around me, smarter than me, that pushed me to grow, to get me where I needed to be. And they've all said this publicly in, in books they've written. Yeah. And that I, I, to me, okay, regards to the public perception, oh, they're an asshole, they're this or that, doesn't matter the facade, the perceptions, reality. They have all come out and they've said, we are who we are because of who we brought in around us. We were giving credit to uh, Bill Gates, gave it to Ed Wagner Edstrom, his PR firm, 15, mm. 20 years. I think they're still his PR firm. He's forever, like eternity to these guys. He gives who he is because of his PR person. You know, Ellison gives credit to his team around him, his corporate team. The smartest thing he did was bring in people that, around him that kept him up. Steve Jobs didn't need publicity. He needed to tell his story, to change the narrative, to make Mac a leader. It was a team yeah. he brought in around him. We have to step back and realize it's not an ego. I'm not so great because I'm so great because I'm Sarah Miller, CEO of Axis Entertainment and what we've done. I have a tremendous amount of people I've had to rely on good, bad, and indifferent through the years to yeah. make me grow and get me where I'm at today. And again, it goes beyond it goes beyond access as well. It's everything in your life. And the way you were explaining before about when guests come on your podcast and you learn from them, I actually get that obviously with my podcast, but at the same time, I always, I also get it with my own clients. Like as, as I work through stuff that my clients bring to me, I find myself mentoring, educating, influence them in, in certain ways. And suddenly new ideas, new theories, new notions come to the surface and I present things in certain ways. And because of what they brought to me, I was able to bring something to them that actually elevates me in terms of my knowledge, my wisdom, my my, my approach to yeah. coaching. And, and just based on what you're talking about, something I recently actually came up with was this idea of this circle of empathy that we have to live as a part of that circle. Like when we go around and we're so, as leaders, we're so giving, we're so serving, it's great. But as you go around that circle and you see all these people that are a part of your circle that you're giving and serving every single day, at some point, that circle has to come back to you. At some point, you have to become the focus, whether it's once a week, once a month. I personally believe it should be at least once a day. Like You have to focus on you and be empathetic and understanding and say, hey, give yourself a break once in a while. And that's it's a really hard thing to do. And But a big part of that too is being able to say, hey, if I'm giving myself a break, and I'm prioritizing me for a little bit, then as a leader, how do I empower those that I oversee in ways where they take ownership, where they feel like they can somehow resolve whatever it is that I may be stepping away from for a little while? And, and, and that's a massive part of leadership too. Well, I think it's also, you know, it's about, like you said, you learn from your clients, people every day. We learn from our clients every day. We always take aways. I have this one client, that I didn't even know what the metaverse NFTs, the most amazing person who knows this space so well. I'm in awe mm. every time I listen to him speak. I really am. It's amazing the passion, the compassion that goes into defining our future of Web3. But I also look at certain clients over the years, not to anybody current, to where I look at the bad and the worst part of them as people, as humans, as how they're in their company. Like, what the hell are you doing that what what mm. and i realize as well as we take away the good we take away the bad and say wow now i know what i don't want in a client now i know what i don't Absolutely. want in a relationship. now i know what wait i'm better than that i that's i deserved 
the, you know, benefit of a conversation, you know, there's so many levels that goes into it. You got to walk away and realize this is also what an air that I don't want to deal with. This is not a good space. It's toxic or, you know, you deserve more than that. So you got to, I look at everything and I'm not saying one thing is bad or good, but sometimes you say, wow, I owe, you owed me the dignity of a conversation, the clarity, not mm-hmm. just how, it, how you handle it. Okay, so now I know next time, can I be better in my communications? Can I be better in my treatment of others or actions or how my relationship goes to either avoid that landmine or to make sure that doesn't happen again or be more clear in my intent and purpose? So we have to take the good and we take the bad through all of this. Mm-hmm. you know, and everything. So I think it's also, I think you just gotta, you just gotta have a really good perspective of your environment, who you're around, your empathy, your sympathy and where you belong. You've just gotta be so self-aware. And I think we lack that self-awareness. So, you know, my thing is like, I'm always trying to read as much as I can, but it's so hard being in PR when I have newsletters and client, <laughs> it's just, I'm so read out right now that the fact if that you I was can, able- if you can figure out the secret to finding I don't know, a 25th or a 26th hour in the day. Let me know. I'm I, working I, on I really, it. I really need it. I, I want to do more reading too. I need, and I've got no, this you pile don't have of time. books. I've got this pile of books behind me right here. And I've, I've only read the bottom shelf of the ones I haven't read. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so, my, so, so I posted on LinkedIn my top favorite reads right now Oh yeah. Okay, for leadership. One of them is David Nurse. Um, he had Pivot and Go. He has two books out. And he's the most tremendous. I mean, David's a good friend of mine. He's one of my coaches for business awesome. as well. And, you know, he's amazing. And then he, his book is amazing. Pivot and Go. The other book that is tremendous is Scott O'Neill, who was a former CEO of the Sixers. He wrote um, Be Where Your Feet Are. So he's all about intent, mm. purpose and intent and staying grounded. It's a tremendous book. It is real. And I like know these guys personally, they're both good friends. So it gives me such a different insight and perspective of who they are, why I'm good friends, my respect, why I feel the way I feel about them in my life, because I mean, they, they really did a tremendous job of those books. There's, you know, everybody knows Jay Shetty and his book and everything. Another book is by Mark, and I'm going to screw this up, Panopolopoulos. He <laughs> is a leadership through crisis. He's mm. big former CIA guy. His, because when you think about it, you are making split smart decisions, non-emotional without leaving collateral damage to other people. Cause you should never, some, some things are out of our control, but, right. and we get that, but there's a lot of decisions we make being selfish, being assholes. And we just leave collateral damage. We need to understand if I'm going to make a decision, I need to make sure that other person doesn't like collateral damage. And I need to suck it up and own my leadership, good, better, and different. The humility, the humbleness that I am sorry, you are tremendous. You're amazing. You're talented. You are everything. You're not collateral damage. I made a decision for me that left collateral damage and it doesn't reflect on you. That's where you have to own your leadership. These books that are my top five, I think, oh, Alicia Doyle, first woman, two times Golden Globe winner, boxer. She won the championships. She Mm -hmm. went through a lot of abuse, special abuse. I mean, went through hell and back her own journey, but ended up using sports and to clear out and turn herself around. First woman, Golden Globe boxing champion, two-time Golden Globe winner. Amazing. So, and then Alison Levine's book, she's the first woman-led expedition up Mount Everest. Failed the first time. 
Mm. Giving in and giving up were not options for Allison. Mm. I've known Allison since we were in eighth grade. She's amazing. She did the ski, the North Pole, South Pole. She led the hardest expedition up Mount Everest. Everybody was safe. Nobody, you know, it's just every, a lot of people don't make it back down from Everest and stuff. I mean, these, all of these people I've mentioned all are tremendous leaders. I mean, the people I have the utmost respect and awe of every time I talk to them or see them, because I always walk away feeling better. I always realize they are there with a purpose and an intent to be wherever they are at that moment. And these are the only books I've actually read in like nine months because I just cannot seem to get through. It's a good amount of books in nine months. There's nothing wrong with six books in nine months. In my defense, I'm about two or three chapters unread in every single book. I've only finished two books. Scott O'Neill's book is the only book I finished and David Nurse's book. I am halfway quarter through all the other ones. And I haven't started Mark's book on a crisis through leadership CIA book. And that is a tremendous book, but I think knowledge is power. And even, even though people think, Hey, there's so much shit going on in my life. Just focus on the big stuff right now. All the small things that we ignore is what we need to power the success of the big things. So that's what we've got to step back and understand. You've got to be like focused. You've got to be where you're feeling. You've got to be have an intent and be focused of what you're doing. Cause the small things to me make the biggest impact. Yeah. Such an advocate for that last part, the small things making the biggest impact. And that's why I'm all about words. It's, it's just my thing. My, my clients learn that real quick. They'll, they'll say a certain word a couple of times and I'll stop them and just sort of say, let's focus on that word here for a little sec. And, and they, they think I'm kind of getting all like psychoanalytical with them and all that kind of thing. But I just believe that, you know, words carry a ton of weight. And, and, and so for me, when I listen to what it is you're saying here, the, those little things the reason why I use the word intention is because underneath it all, I'm very ambitious, as are pretty much all my clients. Yeah. The one thing I make super clear with them is that ambition is the future. Ambition is this big, huge thing that we're working towards a lot of the time. The intentions, those those are the small things. Those are the little actions. Those are the like, hey, I've got five minutes left in my day. I can either be done five minutes early or I can do this one thing that I've been putting off all day. And that little one thing that I decided to do today was why so-and-so answered an email a day or two earlier and why this opportunity that we now have as a business is available to us because I decided not to dial it in with five minutes left of the day and to actually capitalize on what time I had left. And it's just tiny, tiny little acts of intention like that. If you're ever going to arrive at ambition, like truly realizing your ambitions, it's all about true acts of intent day in day out and and i've read something recently as well where it's just like it's all about action it's not about intentions i'm like i'm sorry but actions without intentions are always going to be limited actions like intentions what brings the best out of actions in my opinion like if you're intentional about your action as opposed to just simply doing it you know that's what separates an average employee and a fantastic employee they both do the same job but one of them does it with intention and one of them just simply does it because they're supposed to do it. You know, yeah. that intention is what separates people. Yeah, no, I just, I'm all about random acts of kindness, no matter who it is. If somebody wants to talk to you, they need your time, whatever it is. I get you're busy, you have a lot going on, but you never just walk away for days. You know, sometimes it takes, I mean, it takes a day or two, but you always have to circle back with people. And I, I have this issue with people, with my clients, you know, you're missing deadlines. Well, we're going to ask this off for you. 
or if somebody needs your advice or needs your help, you never know what somebody else is going through where they may really, that five minutes may make a big impact on another life. You just can't, oh yeah, whatever. I'll catch up with you whenever. No, you, somebody made an effort to call you, to right. leave you a message, to get a hold of you. You know who they are personally. You know, you know, you can't just walk away. There is no purpose in that. There's no intent. That does not make you a good person. No matter what you think, how great you are, you're not a good person if you think you could walk away and talk about being a leader with intent and not return a phone call, not return an email. And we all, and I love that you said that, do we give up that last five minutes a day? Do we take that five minutes to quickly get back to everybody? Hey, got your message. Hey, I'll get back to you. Set up a time, treat everything like it's a big thing because the little things may impact the big things. I'm always about random acts of kindness. I just, Mm. you just got to do good and be good. You just, if you're a good person, you're a better person, authentically, it's going to show and others are going to want to be there to help open the doors to get you where you need to be because they want to be around that. Mm. And it's just, I just don't see any reason to not be that person to others. I I don't know if it's just high, I have high expectations of other people, if that's not realistic, because there's life, shit happens, people have reasons, they get busy, I don't know, but I'm mm-hmm. always into the, don't be that person. You wanna go public with, I am a leader, I'm a CEO, I'm an MVP, I'm one of the goats. Act like it. Right. Like like, like show your actions. And like, that's don't... ownership though. That's that's taking, that's that's what true ownership is in, in so my opinion. I, so this is, yeah. So I'm all about, and across the board, our monthly access insight, newsletters, everything, own your leadership. Mm-hmm. With me, my hashtag across, I think all my social, besides teamwork makes the dream work, own your leadership. I'm yeah, all about, that. How about it? <laughs> you have to own your leadership. Oh my God, all my hashtags are teamwork makes the dream work. And it's leadership top down, own your leadership. If you cannot own your leadership, you don't deserve to be leading. You don't deserve to be saying you're a leader. Own your leadership. Good, bad, and different. Step up, suck it up. Authentically be there, present, but own your leadership. That is my biggest advice to anybody. And well, on that on that theme of advice, and I'm I'm one of these people that rarely actually just dishes out advice. I'm 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 here if anybody ever wants it, but I'm I'm not one to just sort of dish it out. But just based on what we're talking about here, like I actually have my core values as a person right next to me every single day here in my office. So yes. I, I wrote these wrote these right there probably a week after I started my business. I bought this I bought a whiteboard, which I realized within a week was too small a whiteboard, but I kept it anyway. <laughs> And on it is is just my core values. And one of them is thoroughness. Actively listen, always ask for clarity. Like, and just something as simple as that. It's like, hey, I'm here. I'm talking to yeah. you. We're conversing right now. Exactly. But I, I, I can either be on the call with you, truly be present with you, or I can just be saying, yes, um, yeah, whatever. And, and just sort of getting through the call and, and checking it off on my day. And that thoroughness, that willingness to say, hey, I'm going to actively listen to you. I'm going to be attentive to you. I'm going to make time for you. And then I'm also going to be here to be supportive. And if I need to clarify anything with you to make your day better, to make anything that you've got going on easier, I'm here for it. And, and, and so yeah. this, this, it's, it's, it's huge. And, and something as simple as core values, like I, I think we all believe we just have them and we know them, but writing them down and having them somewhere you see every day, you'll be amazed the impact that can actually have yeah. on, on what you do. It's, it's everything we do day in and day out. 
right now, which I absolutely love. We all need those core values. I always like mine are just, yeah, everybody has their cores. I don't write mine down. I talk about mine every day as much as I can. <laughs> That's one way to do it too. I'm only my leadership. Right. Oh my I God. We are so running out of time. And I loved having you on the show, being on your show. I love that we doubled down on this one. Me too. And you know, what's funny is that I, I'm not sure whether we actually asked a single question the entire time. I think we just spoke back and forth. So we both just played the guests and there wasn't a host at any time. Well, so I that think works. We need, or, or this is like, we're going to be a part two version to actually get through a QA podcast. But yeah. I loved having you on my show being on and, yours. I don't know how we double down on this. I don't know that the audience will have to tell us like based on, based on what they heard, who was the guest and who was the host. It's, it's like, we'll leave it to them. It's exactly, but I'm super excited. You're now going to run with us the next Spartan race. I know I've, I've, I've been recruited. No one got to hear that. It. We should have recorded that part and everyone would have seen just how good a recruiter you can be. So uh, just before we end the podcast, <laughs> Steve is now going to do the Spartan race with me and David Nurse. I'm super excited. We're going to have our sports coach team go. It's going to be amazing with the team, a go team on this one. But I don't know how to end this. Sarah Miller with Medium of his podcast or see Miller with career competition, but it doesn't matter. It's not, life's not a competition. Our podcasts aren't. I always believe there's a power in numbers versus 100%. solo. You're extraordinary t- together versus ordinary on your own. So this mm-hmm. is an extraordinary podcast. Oh, 100%. I, that, if, if there's a good way to finish it, I think we just found it. So extraordinary experience for, for certainly for myself and hopefully for everyone listening. So I appreciate yeah. it, Sarah. Me too. So I look forward to our part two leadership dual podcast. Oh, it's coming. I think I feel an idea brewing on that one. (laughs) But until then, Steve, it was so good talking to you on both our shows. And everybody, see you all next week on both shows. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate you guys giving this unique, much more extended version of the Career Competitor Podcast. And listen, again, like I said at the outset, let me know what you think. Leave a five-star rating for me. Uh, because both myself and Sarah are completely worth it, let's be honest. Um, So with all that being said, guys, listen, best of luck with everything you've got going on. Make sure you're following up with what's coming because we've got so much stuff coming your way on this show. It's going to be truly impactful, inspiring, encouraging, purposeful, intentional. I'm just going to keep going with so many different words. I could do, but I'm going to stop and I'm going to let you go because we're almost at the hour mark for crying out loud. So I can't keep you any longer. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Career Competitor Podcast. And I look forward to doing it all again with you all very soon. Bye for now.